Bokartov, we are Shemuel Bet, uh, chapter 18. We are on, what, the sixth verse? Yes. Okay, so as we discussed yesterday, the people of Israel and the people of David, they are going out to war now. Uh, finally, the war is about to begin. It's not a good war because it's a civil war or it's a war between the two factions. We'll call it the people of Israel and the people of David. And, uh, and the war was in the Ya'ar Ephraim. Okay, I don't know. It seems like the war should have been on the eastern side of the Jordan River. I don't know what the force of Ephraim is. Oh, Masudat Abid discusses my question. Interesting. Okay, so I had the question of, of we know that David and uh, Absalom are on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Right? The war is taking place in a place called the Forest of Ephraim. The Forest of Ephraim, the, the territory of Ephraim is on the western side of the Jordan River. How did they get back to the west? So the Mitzudat David actually answers the question that I just had. Even though Ephraim's territory was on the western side of the Jordan River, they'd bring their animals across. The they would Jordan. bring their animals across, and they would. They would. Uh, this is a place where they would all give their animals to feed. So that's why it was called on their name. But it's actually in the eastern side of the Jordan River where this war is happening. Okay. The people of Israel were struck down by the people of David. But the and the um, the death toll on that day was great, and it was 20,000 people. Wow. Imagine they would have just taken Achitofel's advice, and they would have done a quick job of a ambush, killing David alone with no other deaths. Instead, he decided to listen to Hushai, and now 20,000 people were killed. Okay? And there the war was spread out over all the land. And the forest killed more people Or ate more people Than the sword on that day And what does it mean that the forest Ate more people than the sword There are two opinions One is that there were animals lurking in the forest And those animals They were killing people that, that entered the forest So more people died at the hands of wild animals Than by the sword Another possibility is that when the war entered into the forest, people started running into trees and, fl- and tripping over br- uh, uh, roots and things like that. And, and they all got hurt from inside the forest. And maybe while they were running, o- <coughs> running away from someone else, they fell because they tripped over a root and that person was able to kill them. So the, wo- the forest was responsible for more deaths than the actual fighting was. Okay. Uh, and then Avshalom encountered the people of David. Now this is the, the part where it gets interesting because Avshalom is the king. So how he would have been exposed to the people of David, he was unlike David who took a, a step back and was told to stay home and to quote unquote pray for them from the city. Avshalom is out to battle here. But Avshalom gets exposed because I guess so many of these people die. So now Avshalom is exposed before the servants of David. The Avshalom rochev ala pered, and he was riding on a mule. And the mule came under the branches of a terebinth, very tall terebinth tree. And his head got stuck in the tree. 
Vayutan ben Hashamayim uven Aretz, and he was dangling between the sky and the and the ground. Ve'apered asher tachtav avar, and a mule that was under him ran away from under his body. So he uh, gets caught up in the branches. His head gets stuck in the tree, and then the mule gets under. So what happens? He's basically like a like a what's it called? Um, a pinata. Yeah. He's like he's dangling like dangling. a he's like completely exposed, completely vulnerable, like a pinata. And there's a very, very interesting midrash that I think captures the most significant point. How would he have gotten stuck in the tree? It doesn't say explicitly, but how would he have gotten stuck in the tree? He was riding. He got stuck in between like two branches that came. So together you could say either his head gets stuck, stuck, but what's more likely? Or... What's more likely is that it's actually his hair, mm. because as we said, he had very he had long very hair, hair yes. that we described as being one of the reasons he was beautiful, and he thought himself he had these delusions of grandeur, right? So the Chachamim say that the hair that caused him to here um, the hair that caused him to develop gava ended up being his downfall, which is more true than anything, right? Uh, is there any significance with the mule? Like you'd think, like the king would ride like a, a horse, horse with a chariot with like uh, I don't know. Like... I don't know actually. Um, here, let me just find the radak. He had a lot of hair. Because he was arrogant through his hair, he was caught by his hair, which is very significant. And I think there's no the, the symbolism is very strong, and that Avshalom's downfall is his arrogance, right? Because he thought he had these delusions of grandeur, and he decided to fight against the king, who was the elect king of God. That's what spelled his downfall, and what would have caused him to have those pretensions of fighting against the king. It's his hair. It's his. It's his. His arrogance, which is, uh, uh, you know, which is uh, uh, symbolized with his hair. Okay. And then one man sees that Avshalom is dangling, and he tells you, And he says, "Wow, I see Avshalom is dangling from a terebinth." And Yoav says to the man who told him, and he says, "Well, you've seen him." So why didn't you kill him? Why didn't you strike him down to the ground? And it would have been on me if you would have done this. I would have given you, like they, would have, they used to give rewards to people who were valiant in battle, right? So I would have given you 10 silver coins and a, go, and a, and a, and a belt for your, for your uh, service to our people. Meaning I would have rewarded you. Why didn't you kill him? Now, if you remember, what did David say to Yoav and to... Um, and to uh, what's his name, um, to, to Itai Agiti and to Abishai. What did he tell them? What did he tell them before they went to battle? Uh, it's right here. Uh, have kindness for him. Have kindness at Shalom. Be gentle so with gentle. me, with the with this young boy with Abshalom. Meaning David sees him as this, as a young rebellious kid, and not as a kid who's. Has his full faculties Definitely not deserving of death And he's his beloved son At the end of the day So he already told the generals Don't touch him Be gentle with him Bring him back alive And so on And now Yoav Completely As if David never said that Why didn't you kill the guy? If you would have killed him I would have rewarded you Now So the man answers back to Yoav And he says even if I would have taken a thousand coins, not ten, but a thousand coins, I'm not going to kill the son of the king. Because in our ears, the king told us 
uh, told, told in our ears, he told you, he told you, Avishai and Itai, saying, please be careful of the youngster of Shalom. So the man answers back, or, or I could have just lied to myself or lied in my heart. And if I would, let's say, kill a guy and deny it, the king hears everything. So I wouldn't have been able to withhold it from, from the king. And what would have happened? You would have stood separate, meaning I would have come to the king having killed him, and I would go and lie to the king, and then the king would figure, it out, figure out my lie and say, no, no, you did kill him, didn't, didn't you? And what would you do, Yoav? You would probably stay aside, oh, I'm not getting involved, I don't want to hurt myself, let the king get upset at this guy. So you would have thrown me under the bus. So I'm not, I, I'm not going to kill him. So Yoav then says, Fine, I'm not going to wait for you. He took three like, spears, or, or darts they're called, in the translation, and he struck them into the heart of Avshalom, while he was still alive in the heart of the terebinth, of the tree. Okay, so he, he pegs uh, Avshalom with these things. He didn't die yet, but now he's going to die. And then 10 other younger soldiers. The people who carried the, the armory of Yoav, meaning his, probably like his direct entourage or his, like, his younger men that were his closer circle. They struck Avshalom after Yoav did and they killed him. Now the reason they would wait until Yoav did it is because once Yoav basically puts them on the trail of death, then these guys could finish the job, but they're not going to have to take any responsibility. And it seems like these are younger soldiers who are more loyal to Yoav than anything else. Okay? So they see Yoav do something, they don't care if David said something already, they'll do what Yoav said. Then Yoav blows the shofar, and the people return from chasing after Israel. For Yoav, he had, he was trying to save the people, meaning he saw that once Absalom was dead, there was no point of having more bloodshed. So he decided to save the leftover people, so that they wouldn't there wouldn't be more death. Okay, he uh, so he blows the shofar, and the people all stop chasing after Israel. Now, what do the people of Israel do? Uh, they're going to end up going back to their tents, but we'll... we'll uh, and then they take the body of Avshalom and they throw him into the forest, into this, dig, this, this ditch. A great pit. And they put a bunch of stones on top of the pit to kind of to refill the pit. It was a very, very large pile of stones. And all of Israel, they ran back to their tents. Now, Radak points something out very interesting. They didn't regroup or anything. They just, the war ended, they all just went, home. went home. You know, why? So he says, just read it inside. Because they were embarrassed of the rebellion that they took part of. They didn't get back into a group and go back home in an organized way. They just all went quietly as if they had nothing to do with it. You know, ah, I wasn't involved. I, you know, they I went back so to their tents. I have so many questions. Avshalom, do we know how old he was around? Like, was he like a 20-year-old? Was he more mature? Was he... Because they kind of make him seem um, like a child here. 
the way David speaks, he was and, like, and, the, and then the, the 20,000, was that between both armies or was that mostly on the side of Avshalom? I think it was mostly on the side of Avshalom. So someone who's responsible for that much bloodshed, doesn't he really deserve to die? Yoav? At, at that point? No, yeah. Doesn't yeah but the, the Yoav war, was right, even though he was against David's command. The war like, was started by Avshalom. I don't, I don't think Yoav is to blame for the 20,000 dead. No, not Yoav's fault. I'm saying it's Avshalom's fault for starting the whole rebellion. Oh, he's def- he definitely deserves it. He definitely deserves, definitely deserves to die. Ma- it's a mass tragedy for the for the whole country. Yeah, for the, sure. He definitely for all of Am Yisrael is a mass tragedy. Yes, definitely, definitely. What Avshalom started caused a lot of bloodshed, and he definitely deserved to die. I don't think that's the question. I think it's more of an interesting thing that I think the, what we're now setting the stage for is is the question of how how much is Yoav being loyal to David. And how is much? This not the first time that Yoav went against David's word. Yoav is always like that. Going into violence, he's always like. Yoav is always yes. like this. He's very and 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 David even complains. He says, "You guys are too intense for me, you sons of Syria." Yeah. Meaning they're they're all they're like they're hotheads they're in a violent, sense. Yeah. They're very violent people, yeah. and it's not not something that David put, uh, really likes. You know, that's the whenever he, uh, Yoav killed Abner, that was also without the will of David. That was yeah. the opposite of the will of David. Yeah. Right? Now the last pasuk of this segment, uh, this segment of the war, says that Avshalom, when he was still alive, he had actually made himself a monument. Because apparently Avshalom had no son. He had no son, so he knew that one day there was never going to be a, someone to continue his line. So he made himself a monument that would be there after his death so people could remember him because he had no lineage to be remembered by. And eventually, according to the Radak, the reason the Pesukim are telling us this is because eventually they moved the body of Avshalom from that pit that was the rocks on it. They took the body out and they put it next to the monument that Avshalom himself had made. So they buried him next to his monument. So they buried him next to his monument eventually. And by the time people codified the Shemuel Bet and Amisa first received this book, apparently they still knew this place, Yad Avshalom, Monument of Avshalom. Adayom until this very day. Now I don't know where the monument of Shalom is, but definitely at the time that they first received uh, this book, uh, they they knew that there was something called the monument of Shalom, and it explained that you know that's where they thought Shalom was buried. So that's the end of Shalom. Now we are going to see coming up how David responds to all of this and uh, and what goes on after that. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen. It says they actually found.